The eighth chapter in the Gospel of John can be divided in two parts. The first 11 verses, you have a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And they bring her to Jesus because they really want to get Jesus. It's an interesting thing. You have the religious power brokers. You have the religious leaders And they're bringing this lady like they're standing for the law of Moses, like they're standing for the scriptures, like if they were standing for God. But really, these forces and leaders, they have an agenda. They don't care about truth. They don't care about what's right. They don't care about justice. They just care about their power and what they want. And so that's why those first 11 verses in John chapter 8, you could write these three words down, these three letters down, and it's the heading for what happens in those verses, which is sin. Sin is dealt with there in those first 11 verses of John chapter 8. Verses 12 through verse 59, Jesus goes on to teach And Jesus teaches that he is the light of the world. So that word light, I would utilize to describe the ongoing verses from verse 12 to the closing of that chapter. And thus, the two words that are the outline for the chapter is sin and light. You could also use these two words. You could use dark and you could use light. I'm sorry. Sin and saved. Sin and saved. In verses 12 through verse 59, Jesus is going to teach on and focus on himself as the one that saves, as the one that provides salvation. For those of you that are careful students of the word and listening carefully, I remind you that these scribes, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, as they come to attack Jesus... Jesus is trying to save them. He's trying to give them the way that they could really achieve, receive, acquire what deep down in the soul the life really needs. So you have sin and you have saved. You have darkness and you have light. You have lost and you have found. First 11 verses point to a lady that was lost. But the closing of that interaction with Jesus demonstrates she left Jesus knowing that now she was found. She was saved. She had come into the light. Let me give you two H-letter words and John chapter 8 can be outlined, first 11 verses are not only sin, dark, loss, but it's a four-letter word, which is H-E-L-L, hell. There's no doubt that this lady 
as she is caught in the act of adultery, as they bring her to Jesus, as she's being upon and she's being used, it's a living hell for her. But verses 12 through verse 59, for those of you that are going to do your homework, and this week you're going to ask God to help you get to John chapter 8, you're going to see that there's heaven. Jesus teaches, expounds, and demonstrates heaven. Our key verse this morning is 32. Right between sin and saved, right between darkness and light and lost and found and hell and heaven, you have truth. Let's read it again together. You could follow with your eyes. I'll read it aloud. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word there, know, it's an interesting word for us to think about. It's not just knowledge. It's not just information. That word know in the original language in the Hebrew culture points to the relationship between a husband and a wife in the sexual act of demonstrating their love to one another. That word know is a word that describes that. And I look to your eye this morning, and as we communicate, I think it's necessary and wonderful to know that when it has to do with truth, in Spanish, la verdad, it's not just something you know in your head. It's not just a philosophical idea. The truth is something that there can be that intimate relationship that in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and in your life, here Jesus says, you shall know, learn, acquire, be informed, intimately be touched by the truth. And then he goes on to say, and the truth is going to make you, what does it say there? Free. That word make is a word that means to set at liberty. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. But it's a word that also means in the original language, you will be free from the dominion of sin. It's a word that means to liberate. Figuratively speaking, it's a word that means that now you are exempt from moral, ceremonial, and mortal liabilities. ¿Me entienden lo que estoy diciendo? You understand what I'm saying? Probably not, but throughout life, there's actions that we commit or are committed against us that hurt us, scar us, disappoint us, and often we develop these liabilities and we're in bondage. Maybe in school a teacher said, Harvey, you will never amount to nothing. I remember in 
college. It's a good thing I was in college, and I was taking um, a mathematics course um, that I forgot it so much that I think I even forgot the title of the course. But it was a course that had to do with uh, formulas and, and statistics. I think it was statistics. And it's funny, the professor, he, he dressed so funny. He would wear like striped shirts, plaited pants. And it, it was interesting. But the guy was very intelligent. And as I took that course, I passed it by the grace of God, prayer and fasting. <laughs> but he told me. Uh, he knew I was studying to be a pastor. He said, you might be a good pastor, but you'll never be a mathematician. And, uh, and sometimes those things scar us. And you go throughout life, and you're thinking, I'm no good. Uh, uh, I'm not worthy. And, and maybe a divorce you went through. Maybe the wrong parenting. And Jesus here says, you will know the truth. And that truth is going to liberate you from moral, mortal, ceremonial liabilities to be delivered. Think with me today and ask yourself, am I free? Do you have that relationship with truth that you've experienced liberation, freedom? Backtrack a little bit and go to verse 31, John chapter 8. And notice that as Jesus is teaching, there's Jews that believed in him. It tells us in verse 30 that as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And to those that accept Jesus, to those that believe in Jesus, in verse 31, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you're going to know the truth. And the truth is going to make you free. I don't know how many here notice the times that we are living. Year 2020, what a year, right? We just got back from Israel in February and already on the plane people were beginning to wear masks. Uh, the news was circulating about this corona thing, coronavirus. You remember they, they said that they didn't know if you caught it from bats or, you know, the way that it was being spun, the way that it was being introduced, you know, under deceit. And what is the truth? And then the coronavirus hits us, you know, and the pastors, we prayed and we sensed that the Lord was telling us, hey, Stop meeting services right now here physically. And you remember they came before us and they said, you know what? A million people can die. And, and they stated how um, 
the hospitals will be flooded. And so to prevent that, you know, we're going to ask you for 14 days. You know, remember that? And, and we said and we pray, yeah, we'll give 14 days. But those 14 days then turn into 14 more days. And, and then it turned into, well, you can't do it in Easter. You remember that? that that's the way this year began. Then as soon as there seems to be a calming down in that, then we have these riots and we have these demonstrations. And they're saying, oh, it's a peaceful demonstration, you know, fires, you know, burning cars. But it's peaceful, you know. They're, they're, they're trying to present something to you. And, 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 and what I'm trying to get you to see is that we're living, is it, is it deceit or is it truth? Is it honest? Are there lies or are we, be, you know, and that's how the year begins, and then it continues and it continues. And here we are in October. And, and I'm wondering how many people even here right now, how many of you watching by computer right now, are you in deceit or are you in honesty? Please look at the contrast here. Of verse 31 where Jesus implies that to believe in Jesus in verse 32 he gives more information you're going to walk in truth you're going to know the truth the truth is going to make you free I hope you're listening and I hope you see the contrast here between truth where there's a relationship with Jesus you see that there in verse 31 he says if you abide in my word you're my disciples later on in John 15 he says if you abide in me and my word abides in you and what I'm trying to get you to see is that part of this truth it's not that you just lifted up your hand and you said, I want Jesus, I'm a sinner, or you walk down an aisle, or you join a church, and you say, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Roman Catholic, I go to Calvary Chapel. I, that is more than that. There's a relationship implied. Jesus is your Savior. Jesus is your Lord. You're in his word. He calls you a student. He calls you a disciple. So notice that there's a relationship there. Now go with me to verse 44, I believe it is, where Jesus has to confront these scribes, these Pharisees, these religious leaders with truth. First of all, in verse 42, Jesus said to them, listen, if you were of your father, if you were really Father Abraham's followers, you would love me. You would, you would love me because I came from God. I'm not here about myself. God is the one that sent me. Verse 43, he goes on to say, but you don't understand my speech. Because you're not able to listen to my word. I stopped there a second. I looked at your eyes. And notice how if you're not built on the truth, if your foundation is not the truth, if your foundation is deception, notice what Jesus is saying here. Because you're in foundation, it's almost difficult to impossible for you to know truth, to get truth, to, in a sense, stand for truth because you're in deception. Keep reading. You'll see it's going to get better. So where were we? I think it was verse 42, right? And then we read verse 43, right? He says, why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word, verse 44. And now Jesus says, because you are of your father, who? The devil. And the desires of your father, the desires of the devil, that's what you want to do. And notice what's associated with deceit, with lies, and with the devil. He was what? A murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And now Jesus says, let me give you a little bit more information here. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources because he's a liar 
And he's the father of lies. He's the father of it. So I stop and say, look to your eyes. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Good to have you this morning. And notice that this is not about religion. This is not just about spirituality. This is some basic information that's important. Do you know the difference between deception and truth? Can we smell it? I think that's deception. In Spanish, como es? Decepción. Huele a mentira. It smells like lies. Or are you and I the kind of person that if they package it properly and they say, oh, mira que lindo, look how nice. Oh, mira que lindo, look how nice. And I believe that part of the problem that we have in our world today is not so much the nation, it's not so much, I think it's the church. That so many people here, maybe you don't know the difference between the lie and the truth. Now, notice with me the way that this verse 12 from verse 59 is presented. It's like a meat, a good meat sandwich for vegetarians, a good egg parmesan or egg, uh, yeah, eggplant sandwich, you know, a good vegetable sandwich that's between two stories. The woman caught in adultery. And then John chapter 9, which is a man that was born blind from birth. In John uh, chapter 8, <clears throat> look with me there at this beautiful story. Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He's again going into the temple. All the people came to him, John chapter 8. He sat down, he taught them, he's teaching them. Verse 3, then the scribes and the Pharisees, in the middle of Jesus' teaching, they come to interrupt, and they bring a woman that was caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. That means that how did they know she was going to be in the act of adultery? They, this was a setup. This was a planned. This was a planned investigation. This was known maybe as the adultery collusion. Verse 5, now Moses in the law, he commanded that such should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? I stop here, look at your eyes very quickly. I hope you see what's happening here. Jesus is teaching truth. Jesus is teaching love. Jesus is teaching how to have a relationship with God, how to be a citizen of God. And as Jesus is teaching this, they come and they interrupt with this lady that's caught in adultery as if they really believed in the law of Moses. And what they're trying to do is trap Jesus because if Jesus said stone her, then they'd be able to say, see, Jesus is not about love. He's not that good teacher. Look what he's doing. And if Jesus says don't stone her. If Jesus doesn't take action in the situation, then they could also point to the fact that, hey, Jesus is not with the law of Moses, therefore he's a false teacher. They're just trying to get Jesus. But listen, when someone tries to trick Jesus or get Jesus, they'll never be able to be successful in that because Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. So notice how Jesus responds to this. I love this. Verse 6, they said this to test him so that they would have something to accuse him but Jesus, he stooped down, and he wrote on the ground. He wrote with his finger as though he did not hear them. But they continued, verse 7, asking him, what do you say? What do you say? So he raised himself up, and now he said to them, okay, guys, whoever is without sin among you, you be the first one to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down 
and he wrote on the ground. I stop a second. I have no idea, in a sense, what he wrote. Some people say that at first he wrote some incidents. They said adultery. I don't know. There's Ten Commandments, right? Taking God's name in vain. Not honoring your mom and your dad. Not keeping the Sabbath day. I mean, what did he write there? But the second time he writes, because he, he, they come in, they bring this lady, and Jesus just, he kind of like ignores them, and then he starts writing on the ground, you know? They're around Jesus. And they keep asking, well, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? And then he gets up. He says, okay, which one of you doesn't have any sin, and you, you be the first one to throw the stone? And I think he looked at them eye to eye. Now, the second time he wrote, I don't know what he wrote. I got an idea that he began to write some names. <laughs> Raz, you know, make it more personal. And then this is an interesting encounter here because, remember, this lady's caught in sin. And then you could think about what made this lady choose this lifestyle. Was she ever married? Was she not married? Was she burnt? Was she disappointed? Was she sexually abused? Did they take advantage of her? What made this lady choose to be with a man that really is not her husband or really, what made her do that? And then in the process of doing that, she gets caught and it's a setup, it's a trick. Once again, the spiritual leadership is letting her down. Instead of trying to help her, they're using her like a pawn. And now they bring her. It doesn't, we don't know that they cover her, that they not cover her. You know? So they bring her, they humiliate her, this lady. And then you could tell the injustice. Have you ever been involved with the result of injustice? Where's the man? They don't bring the man. They just bring the lady. And so she's seeing what's going down. They accuse her. She's looking at Jesus and the way he's handling this. He's riding on the ground. He's confronting them head on. He's confronting them face to face. He's in total control. He gets and he writes again. I don't know what he wrote, but I know one thing that this reminds me of. One that wrote on the tablets, Ten Commandments, how God wrote on the tablets. And this is God once again writing on the tablets of the whole globe, starting in Israel, to point to the fact that he's the one that can write on the tablet of your heart. God wrote, I'm writing, I'm talking to your heart. You're accusing this lady? What about the sin within you? Are you living in deception or are you living in honesty? You bring her here, let's get honest. Let's get real. And no wonder the story tells us here, verse 8, John 8, 8. Good way to remember that, right? Again, he stooped down. Again, he wrote on the ground. Verse 9, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, they went out. One by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, which were the youngest. I stopped a second there. I did something in the first service, which I didn't do at the start of, um, of this service, but I want to do it now. So I've been thinking and praying. I, I just wanted to, in a sense, look at, at you, you know, face to face, heart to heart, everybody that's here today. And anybody that's watching, because I, I don't know who's watching, but I wanted to say that if I've hurt you in any way, if I've disappointed you, if I've let you down, I wanted to apologize to you for that. Not theatric. I'm not trying to be emotional. I'm trying to show you something that when you begin to add on the mileage, you know, in the life odometer, you know, at 66 K, 66,000 miles that I have now, 
I realized that one day I'm going to be in front of Jesus. And so I, I've said this to my wife. I said it to my kids, um, hoping that soon we could have another family meeting. And I just want to, the Bible says, do everything you can to live at peace with all men. If you forgive me or not, I, I can't handle that. But at least I could ask you as a pastor, as a dad, as a friend, if I let you down, my apologies. Forgive me. Going back to the word here, it's interesting to see that the ones that left first were the oldest. Having been young when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> and now being older, I realized that when I was younger, I was more self-righteous. Man, we're going to get. Uh, uh, uh. I realize now more my frailties. and So it's funny, Jesus confronts them and it's the older ones that left first. But they all left. Please think with me this morning. There's a victim. There's a lady. Oh, she's responsible. She's sinned, but she's being used too. She's brought before Jesus. Jesus doesn't get all judgmental and all self-righteous. Jesus begins to deal with the circumstance, dealing with the hearts of those that, are, again, are in hypocrisy, in deceit, in, in lies. He deals with that. They leave, and now Jesus is left with the lady. Remember, they presented the lady before Jesus. They put this lady in the midst. Verse 3. The woman caught in adultery. Remember, it says they brought him to her. They brought her to him in the midst, and they said, they set her in the midst. Now it's just her and Jesus. Please Continue reading and look at this as we look at, you will know the truth. The truth will make you free. It tells us here in the end of verse 9 that Jesus was left alone. And now the woman is standing there in the middle, in the midst. Verse 10, we go on to read this and we see that when Jesus had raised himself up, he saw no one. But the woman. Stop a second. I looked at your eyes. Picture this in your heart. He's been riding on the ground. We don't know if he rode in front of the woman, on the side. We don't know if he went up. And we, there's certain things that when I get to heaven I want to see. But all of a sudden Jesus finishes. He gets up and he looks. And they're gone. So I guess Jesus kind of does a scan and he looks. And the woman is looking at Jesus. And I always think about that moment, that time where now Jesus looks at the woman. The woman looks at Jesus and their eyes connect. I love this. I wonder what she saw. I know she didn't see judgmental. I know she didn't see Jesus. Okay, now we're going to have a talk. No judgment from the superior. Oh, so where were you? What were you caught in? I think she just saw that look of forgiveness, of love. But I want to say something to you today, which I think is so important. She didn't see a look of covering it under the carpet or ignoring it and erasing it. It's that perfect look where I love you, I'm here for you, I don't need to tell you because you know that what you're doing is not God, is not right. 
and it is wrong. You know, it's that kind of look. It's that kind of look that only a loving mom can give a son sometimes without saying one word, especially when they get older. When they're little, you know, time out, this, but it gets to a point that all you could do is look at them. And if they don't get it by the looks, they're not going to get it at all. That dad that looks at the son and says, come on, man, come on. It's time. And here it tells us, Jesus raised himself up. He saw no one but the woman. I love this. They came to accuse you, but this is really an appointment. We're going to get some things taken care of right now. He saw no one but the woman. And now Jesus speaks to the woman and he says, where are those accusers of yours? I love this. And then he asked the question, has no one condemned you? You will know the truth. The truth will make you free. Where are the accusers? You had accusers. They have power. They had authority. They could have condemned you. Have they not done it? And notice the way the lady answers. I love this. Verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. I love that. I think Jesus wants us to get this because we were here last Wednesday. If, if you missed that Wednesday Bible studies, you need to come this Wednesday. God is doing a great thing here on Wednesday nights. And now Jesus is looking at this woman. This woman is looking at Jesus. And the way that Jesus asked her, hey, where are your accusers? Have no one condemn you? I think something happens in this woman that she realizes, hey, up until this now, no one could condemn me. But no one showed me the love that you've shown me. No one's ever had my back. No one's ever put it all on the line for me the way that you have. And I want you to know something. You are Lord. I don't know how this is going to go down. I don't know what you're going to say, but from this point on in my life, you're the Lord. You're my God. You're my maker. I'm pledging to you. Whatever you say, I'm in. Has that happened in you? Are you living in deceit or are you living in truth? Are you here because this is a good church, good people, you know, new pastor, new ministry. God's doing a new thing. Worship. Man, they even got new speakers. The sound is, why are you here? Are you here this morning because you say, the truth made me free and it's making me free. You know why I'm here? Because he's the Lord. No one but you, Lord. I love this. This is so amazing. I always think, what happened in this woman? What happened in her mind? What happened in her heart? That she went from being an adulterer. She went from being a religious or non-religious person. She went from being a person that I can't stand those religious people to a person that just said, you're my Lord. None of them condemn me. But whatever you say, you have authority. And then I love Jesus' response. Because when you come to Jesus that way, Jesus spoke to her and says, well, neither do I condemn you. However, as you go, sin no more. No more excuses. Men have taken advantage of me. I was born this way. I have an adultery deficit disorder. No more excuses. The reality is that when you see Jesus, when you come to Jesus, and when Jesus saves you, you have the truth now that can make you free. You're free. It's no longer the thoughts or the mind. Oh, the mind will still be active. 
I said it in the earlier service. I had never said this. It took me 66 years to be able to say this. Said it to my family. We were having kind of like a family meeting. And I said, you know what? As a kid, I was taken advantage of. I think four or five years old. Totally, totally taken advantage of. But when I met Jesus, when I gave my life to Jesus, later on I was able to speak to the person that did it and look into his eyes and say, you know what you did was wrong. I was a young boy, took advantage of me. It was wrong. And I can share that with you today because that doesn't have a hold on me. That doesn't have to manipulate me. That doesn't have to control me. That was a devastating thing in my life. But Jesus, Jesus, he's been the greatest thing in my life that I have ever encountered in my life. And that truth makes you free. Go and sin no more. Stop with the excuses. Stop with the games. Stop with the fact that in your heart you just lust for sin, and that's why you're sinning, and you're using this as an excuse. Stop that already. Be free. Go. Walk the streets of Jerusalem. Let them see you at Jerusalem's Costco. Go to Jerusalem Publix. Go to Jerusalem Sedano. And if you need to, and if you want to, go to Jerusalem Fresco and Mass. <laughs> sin no more you're not a sexual object no man has to have a power over you and the loneliness and the relationship that you want now you can find it in Jesus you can find it in me go you're free to go you see family in the short time I have left because I do want to finish early every time I say that I go 15 minutes to an hour over Adrian tells me, Raz, don't say that. But this morning, the first service, I said it, and I did finish early. So maybe this, but you got to pray for me. What does it mean to walk in truth? What does it mean to know the truth? Beautiful thing to see what happens there. Verse 12, Jesus spoke, John chapter 8. Again, he's saying, I'm the light of the world. You see, it went from darkness to light. It went from a woman caught in adultery to now Jesus being the light to set her free. It went from a woman that um, was a public spectacle of caught in adultery to now the light of Jesus that she was a woman that publicly Jesus forgave her, sent her her way, and gave her the empowerment to sin no more. Where do you get that? In Jesus. I'm the light of the world, he says here. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but they're going to have the light of what, family? Of life. In other words, without Jesus in life, you're going to have some darkness. You're going to be prone. I'm going to be prone. The church is going to be prone. The nation's going to be prone. The world's going to be prone to deceit to lies, to narrative, to rhetoric. And there's no way we could be free on that. Whoever, whoever's in authority, whatever's going on, you're in bondage. The only way to break that is Jesus. Keep reading John chapter 8. I love this. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness. They're going to have the light of life. So now the Pharisees, therefore, they say to him, you bear witness of yourself. You see, they're trying to attack him. Your witness is not true. Jesus, what you're saying is not true. But now Jesus answers them, verse 14, and he said to them, listen, 
Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true because I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. And now what happens when you're in deceit? What happens when you're in lies? Verse 15, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Now, please put a marker there. Go back with me quickly. To chapter 7, and you'll see that in verse 24, Jesus gave a similar information. He says, listen, don't judge according to appearances. Judge with righteous judgment. You see that there? I stop. I look to your eye for communication. So Jesus is saying there's a wrong way to pass judgment. There's a right way to pass judgment. And he's saying to them, listen, if you're in deceit, if you're in lies, if you're in darkness, there's no way you could come up with the right sum. You're always going to come up with the wrong sum when it has to do with spiritually and heavenly. Verse 15, John chapter 8. Again, we go back to there. He says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Now, here's a question. What is Jesus saying there? Because in verse 16, he says, and yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I'm not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. What is Jesus saying there? Let me have you skip forward to verse 26. John chapter 8, go with me now to verse 26, and notice what Jesus says there. He says, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I've heard from, from him, from God. I stop a second. Look to your eye. Are you with me here? What is Jesus saying? I don't judge but he's saying, I do judge. Does he not judge or does he judge? What is Jesus saying? I call your attention back to chapter 8, verse 15, and notice something here. You judge according to the flesh. When Jesus says, I judge no one, I stop now. Again, look to your eyes. What is he saying? I judge no one that way. I judge no one according to the flesh. Remember from the Old Testament, remember David, remember when God sent a man of God to choose the king and the first David's brother comes in tall, great, he, he, the, the man of God told man, this is the next king and God says, I haven't chosen him. Man looks at the outside. Man is preoccupied with race, with skin, with color, reparate. Man is preoccupied with all these things, but Jesus is saying, I'm beyond and deeper and I'm more constructive than that. And if you and I are with Jesus, that's where our heart is going to be. What is Jesus saying here? Well, a good question you might have is, what, Pastor, what are you saying here? Even if I confuse you, the good thing is Jesus will not confuse you. What every one of us can walk away with from here today is a good standard to know, am I in the truth? Or am I in the lie and in the deception? Notice that up until now, everything that Jesus has been developing, I hope you're still listening to me. Maybe there's some things that I said that you don't agree with. That's okay. I still love you. Can we still love each other and maybe disagree on some things? But listen, there's some other things that we can't disagree on. Because they're either going to be true or they're going to be lies. Now, here's what I want you to take with you. When you are in the truth... You are going to be in relationship. What are you talking about, Pastor? That's what I'm talking about. There's a lady in the first 11 verses that's caught in adultery. She's a victim. She's a pawn. They want to use her to get to Jesus. Jesus 
deals with the situation. Jesus deals with the accusers. Jesus sets her free. And then as he goes on to teach, what does he teach about? He teaches about the fact that, hey, I'm the light of the world. He didn't say Buddha. He didn't say Mohammed. He didn't say Dalai Lama. And as much as all of you love her, Mother Teresa, he didn't say her. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And if there's something that's needed here today, we'll start at the front row with my brothers and my friends here. I haven't seen you for a long time. You know, it's, it's a good thing to know, where are you at? Or better said, where is Jesus in relationship to your life? When you have a question, when you need to do an evaluation, where do you go? What evaluation do you make? Do you go to Jesus? Do you go to the Word? Keep reading here and notice what happens here. Because of time, because I already told you, I plan to finish early today. In verse 21, Jesus said again to them, listen, I'm going away. And you're going to seek me. This is scary. May none of us have to ever hear this. But Jesus said to them, and you're going to die in your sin. And that's why Jesus said to them, and that's why where I go you cannot come. They didn't understand. They didn't get it. In verse 28, Jesus points to the cross, and now Jesus says to them, listen, when, when you lift up the Son of Man, when I'm crucified, then you're going to know that I am He and that I do nothing of myself. As my father taught me, I speak these things. And that's when now in verse 29, some of the Jews there, they got it. They got it. This is the Messiah. This is the foundational truth to life. In John 14, I believe it's 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Family, can I tell you that this morning? Truth, if you ask me the question, what is truth? Jesus is truth. And unless I accept Jesus and unless I am being taught by Jesus, the totality of truth will be elusive to my life. Why? Because unless I deal with the fact that Jesus said to them, your father is the devil. Sin. And so one of the things I'm trying to pray that you get That when you know Jesus, you know truth. And when you know truth, there's a relationship that you enter into with Jesus, with God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm so excited about that. Because if you have a question, if you have a doubt, if you have an argument, if there's maybe a lack of understanding, what do we do? We go to Jesus. We go to God. We ask the Holy Spirit to tell us, we get the word, and then from Genesis to Revelation, the truth of the word, that's how we're going to live, that's how we're going to determine, that's how we're going to be guided. Put a marker here. Go with me to John chapter 1, first chapter, gospel according to John.
chapter 1, we see the ministry of Jesus there at the beginning. In verse 16, John tells us that the fullness, the fullness of Jesus we all have received. And when you get this Jesus, it's grace and grace. And then in verse 17, he goes on to say the law was given through who family? Through Moses. But grace and truth came through who family? Through Jesus Christ. Please go back with me to John chapter 8. Verse 45 is a challenging verse because Jesus says to them, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Wow. This morning, I think with you, shouldn't we pray, God, let me never be in a place that because it's truth that you, God, are presenting to me, I'm resisting it, I'm rejecting it. Interactive here. You get to participate. I got a question for you. Who is Jesus saying that to? It's an easy question. Anybody? The Pharisees. Thank you. And the scribes. He's saying it to religious people. What's the problem with these religious people? They think they're right. They think they're in the truth. They, they think that, man, we're doing what's right and Jesus, you're wrong. And Jesus is saying, no, you're in lies. You're of your father, the liar. And I'm bringing that to your attention so you have a choice whether you want to continue in lies or you want truth in your life. Leave that area of scripture. Go with me to Romans chapter 1 quickly. Romans chapter 1. Worship team, please, whenever you want to, start heading to the front. Pastors, begin to be ready to come forward to pray with anyone that would want prayer today are you there in romans chapter one pick up with me if you be so kind in verse 18 it says the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against everything that's ungodly 
against the unrighteousness of men. Why? Because they do what? They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Uh, you got to go home and you got to read the rest of that. It shows you how society goes on a downward spiral because once you suppress the truth, once you prevent the truth, the truth of God, once you hold it back, and a picture of that is once you take prayer, in a sense, out of the schools, and you take the Bible out of the schools, and you take God out of the center of the nation, once you, you kind of suppress the truth of God, once you begin to say, listen, let's not teach, let's not teach the creation of man. Let's teach everyone that they just came from a monkey. Let's just teach them that. Evolution. Let's, let's, and you might believe in that, but that's like saying, you know what? This whole room here has been the result of evolution. The chairs just happen to be that way, and the platform is here, so that when I stand on the platform and I face you, wow, the back of the chairs are behind you so that you evolute. What? A, amazing. <laughs> you wouldn't believe that. You, but yet your eye, the way it works, your muscle, your chromosomes, your DNA, your intelligence that you came from. <laughs> Let's suppress the truth of God. Let's present this theory. When I went to school, it was known as the theory of evolution. Push God out, push the Bible out. Push the spirit out. The churches, let's begin to have them talk about being positive and happy, happy puppy, happy life, happy wife, you know. And, and now we could present from theory to a fact, evolution. Read it. It says that they took away God, and now it's about the earth. We got we to gotta save the earth, the climate. We, we gotta, you got to do that. I got a question. Who did it before we? Who took care of it? In your house, do I have to pray for the thermostat or do you control the thermostat? My son, I, I didn't do this, but he put something here. My daughter, actually, I could control the thermostat in my house from my phone. Let me tell you something. God controls the thermostat. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that even in church right now, what I'm saying, there's got to be some people that maybe you might resist it because you're being brainwashed. On a foundation of deceit. They're trying to sell you something. To get to the point that they could say church is not essential. Singing is not essential. This is my daughter. I could do that. Touching her is not essential. And you might be buying it. And that's why I think that this morning is so important for you to know that you will know the truth. You know what the truth is going to do? That everything I hear, everything I see... In whatever network, I bring it through the word. God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? God, what do you want from me? Listen, I'm the first one out of respect when it's time for me to wear a mask. Yeah, I, I wear a mask. No problem. There's nothing wrong in wearing a mask. All of you wearing a mask. Thank you for wearing a mask. But it might change the way that I speak. You notice how, that, how it changed it? So that means that in my case, I have to pray, do I wear a mask or do I not wear a mask? Well, if you wear a mask, I'm going to wear a mask. If you, don't get a, if you don't wear a mask, I'm not going to wear a mask. 
Pastor, aren't you being irresponsible? It all depends. If I'm getting my marching orders from God, then I'm responsible to him. Well, what's going to happen, Pastor, when you test positive for corona? Well, what's going to happen when you, maybe the same thing happens? We have no guarantee in the times that we're living except this. You will know the truth. And that truth is going to make you free. Free for what? Free for your relationship with God that he can guide you, he can feed you, he can strengthen you, he can correct you, he can confront you, he can challenge you when you're off, when you're drifting. He can say danger. He can say danger, Ras. Ras, you're in danger. And then the, the freedom of the truth, it makes me free to say, okay, Lord, I'm coming back, Lord. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, Lord. I'm coming back to you. Are you doing that? Are you looking at your life? And I, I said that this morning, sometimes there's a husband that's been married five times, and it's always, man, the wife. I always get a bad wife. No, maybe you're the bad husband. Or the same thing with the wife. Man, I have five husbands. A la verdad que todos hombres, these men, we got to finish. No, maybe you, you got some problems, sweetie. But when you know the truth, and that truth makes you free, and now you realize, that's right, there's a problem in me. Jesus, would you deal with that problem? And then he'll say, yeah. You abide in my word, and my word abides in you, and then you're going to be my student. You're going to be my disciple. There's some things that the Lord can fix right away. There's some things that are going to take some time because you need the word. You need Jesus. And so as the pastors come up front here, we get an opportunity to pray right now. You get an opportunity to respond to this message. Are you living in truth? Is there truth in your life? Do you just listen to rhetoric, narratives? Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the narrative and the rhetoric that sometimes we speak to ourselves. For, for many years, man, I, I'm no good. I, I should die. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants. It was another form of pride, but that's, it, w- it was just a recording there. You're going to know the truth, and then that truth is going to make you free. Jesus says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Ras, what are you going to listen to? Maybe here this morning, you, maybe the Lord has his arms open to you and he's inviting you to come and pray with one of the pastors and just say, I want truth in my life. I want to live in truth. As the truth frees me, I want people around me to be freed by that truth. I want to be able to look at people and sometimes not say a thing, just smile. But God, they know that, God, you're speaking to them. And then sometimes I want to speak to people and say, bro, can we talk about this, Ken? Can we just share some thoughts here? Are you in the narrative or are you in the truth? The doors of heaven are open up wide right now. If you've never invited Jesus to be your Savior, Jesus came and he hung on Calvary's cross to defeat the devil, the father of lies. Lies no longer should be ruling your life. It should be the truth when you come to Jesus and say, Lord, Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. I want your truth to be my light. If that's you here this morning, come and pray with one of the pastors. If you're in your home and you're watching right there where you are, I would invite you to pray and say, Jesus, I want truth in my life. I want the truth to make me free. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, we thank you. We bless you. We seek you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that your sons and daughters, Lord, the flock 
Lord, the sheep. Lord, you bring truth to, to our life. And in, in that truthful relationship, God, we have a relationship with you that you guide us, you speak to us, you instruct us, Lord, and we follow, we listen, we learn, and we live for you, God. Lord, we pray that if there's anyone here today or watching by computer that's lost, they would go from dark to light. They would go from hell to heaven now. They would be forgiven because they're going to come to you and ask for that. Lord, we pray that anyone here today that needs to stand up out of their seat and come forward to pray with the pastors that, Lord, they would be free to do that. We worship you now, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, get up out of your seat. The pastors.